God is. And so in light of that, I wanted just to ask this question. Do you know God? Imagine if someone were to come up to you and just ask you this question, do you know God? How would you answer that question? I'm guessing in a room uh, this size with this many people, there would be some who would say, I know that's a great question. I'm trying to figure out whether I do know God, whether I actually want to know God. Um, I'm guessing there would be a lot who would say, yeah, I do know God. And so this person who asked you this question, uh, do you know God, says, well, can I ask you another question? And the question that they would ask you is, well, what do you know about God? You say that you know him, so can you tell me a little bit about him? What is he like? Uh, What do you actually know about God? Now, again, I'm guessing our answers will vary from person to person. I'm guessing some would say, well, God's pretty strong. I'm guessing some might say God is very powerful or God is in control. I'm guessing there might be some who would say God is gracious or God is loving or God is kind or God is patient. God is generous. Clearly not the complete list, uh, exhaustive list of things that you might say. But imagine if the person said, huh, you know God, and those are the things that you know about God, said to you next, uh, can I ask you another question? And you're like, sure. And their question was this, well, can I ask, do you struggle or do you deal with things in your life like worry or anxiety or fear or stress? And they might ask you the question, do you struggle with things like forgiveness or anger or bitterness? Or they might ask the question, do you struggle at all or have a hard time just being generous? Generous with things like your time or your resources or your talents or even your finances. Now, seeing that they're asking you some very sincere questions, you don't want to lie to this person. And so you look at them and say, well... I guess to be completely honest, I struggle with almost all of those things that you just mentioned, some more than others, but yeah, I do struggle with a lot of those almost daily. And the person that you responded to just says, hey, thanks so much for being sincere and honest in how you're answering these questions, and if you don't mind, can I just ask you one more question? And so you've gone this far, so you say, yeah, you can ask me one more question, and they turn to you and just ask this question. Well, then what impact is God having on you? Because you've told me that you know him. You've told me a little bit about what he's like, but yet you've then told me all of the things that you are struggling with almost on a day-to-day basis. So can I just ask you, what impact is knowing God actually having on your life? Or maybe another way that they could ask the same question is, how is who he is shaping who you are? How would you begin to answer that question of, If you know God, how is God actually impacting and influencing who you are and how you live? Now, I realize we're just having a hypothetical conversation here, but as I've been thinking a lot about this hypothetical conversation taking place, I really began to personalize it for me. How would I begin to answer those questions? And if the question came to me, Michael, what impact is God having on who you are and how you live? I would have to be honest to say, gosh, there seems to be often a big disconnect between who I say I know God to be and who I am and how I'm actually living my life. I would have to just say there is a disconnect. And I wonder, is there a disconnect for anyone here today? 
between who you say you know God to be, believe God to be, and actually who you are and how you are living your life. Because there's a lot of people who say, ah, I believe God to be absolutely loving, but yet we have a very difficult time loving people in real, tangible, practical ways. We say, I believe God to be powerful and in control, but yet the anxieties and the struggles uh, that we have, the stresses often seem so much bigger than who we say God is bigger to be. We believe God to be gracious and forgiving, but yet we just can't seem to forgive the people who hurt us. And we certainly have a hard time being gracious to those who annoy us or frustrate us. Again, I think if we're just being honest, there is a disconnect. There's a disconnect between who I believe God to be and the impact of who God is having on who I am and how I'm living. Why is that? Why is there a disconnect for so many people? And so today we're beginning a nine-week journey from all of July and all of August, uh, simply called God Is, and we're going to examine different attributes, different characteristics of this is who God is and this is what God is like. And my hope is that when we get to the end of these nine weeks, we would all be able to have confidence and conviction that to say that who he is would shape who we are and how we live. That whatever the disconnect might exist now would be gone. That there would not be a disconnect between who we say he is and actually who we are and how we are living. That's my one hope as we walk through this series together. Now, what's exciting about a series like this is there's really one reason that we can even do a series called God Is. Uh, and the reason we can do a series called God Is is really because of the first four words in the entire book of Genesis. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the book of Genesis, it's the very first book in the Bible. It's a story of creation. It's a story of origins. But the very first four words in the entire story say this, in the beginning, God. The reason we can do God is, is because of these four words. And what I mean by that is God actually has revealed himself to all of us, to all of creation. God has revealed who he is and what he is like. In other words, you and I don't have to guess. We don't have to sit around and guess what we think God might be like we don't have to even guess what God should be like. God has chosen to reveal who he is and what he is like to all of creation. Now, if you just look through history, God has revealed himself in so many different ways. There's been times where God just used miracles to make a statement of this is who I am and this is what I'm like. There's times where there was angelic uh, appearances of helping people to understand this is who God is and this is what God is like. There's been time where God used people and prophets to help people understand this is who God is and this is what God is like. But as I look through just history and the story uh, of God, there's three primary ways that God has chosen to reveal himself. Number one is creation. If we just open our eyes to the world in which we live, we would be able to come to the conclusion there must be a God. I love how Paul says it in Romans. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. 
Or as the psalmist King David said in Psalm 19, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. That's just one way that God has chosen to reveal himself is just through creation. As we just open our eyes to the world we live, we would be able to come to the conclusion this is not an accident. God is real. He's revealing himself and what he's like through what he created. A second way that God has revealed himself is just through scripture, through the Bible. It says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, all scripture is God-breathed. All of what we have from Genesis to Revelation has been spoken by God, has been God-breathed in the pages of scripture and the words and the stories has been God-breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in right living or righteousness. A third way that God, primary way that God has revealed himself is just through Christ, through Jesus. We can see, we can know who God is and what God is like just by looking at Jesus. I love how it says in Hebrews, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. Listen to this last part. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses, expresses the very character of God. Paul, in a different letter, says this in Colossians, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God is like, you look at Christ. You look at Christ. God has revealed himself in so many different ways, not that you and I would sit here and just have factual knowledge and information about him, not so that we would know something about God, but God has revealed himself to us in so many ways so that we might actually have a relationship with him. Now, for some, you might be hearing this for the very first time, what I'm about to say. And for maybe others, you've heard this before, but it's been a really long time since you've heard someone say what I'm about to say. But what I want you all to know, just as you are, as you are here today, as we begin this new series, is this. God wants to have a great relationship with you. I don't know if you've ever heard that before or if it's just been a really long time, but I want that just to sink in for a moment. God, the creator, sustainer of all things, looks at you and he says, I want to have a great relationship with you. I want to have a great relationship. I don't know if that amazes you. I don't know if that humbles you or just both. But God, the creator of all things, he wants you to know him. He wants you to have a great relationship with him. If Tom Brady called me and said, Michael, here's the deal. I've got a lot of friends, but I want you and I to have a great relationship. I'm pretty confident. I'd be like, Tom, you know, I've got a lot of friends, but I've got space for one more. <laughs> I'm pretty confident if Bono, lead singer of U2, called me and said, hey, Michael, here's the deal. I have heard some stories about you, and I would love for you and I to have a great relationship. I'm very confident, I would say, Bono, whatever it takes, I'm all in to have a great relationship with you. If Steve Ells, if you don't know him, 
He's the founder, CEO of Chipotle. If he called me and said, Michael, I know you know some things about me, but man, I want you and I to have a great relationship. I would do anything and everything to make a great relationship possible. These are such silly examples, but I think we get the point. If any one of these people or you fill in the blank for someone that might call you, we would be like, wow, I cannot believe that this person wants to know me, nonetheless have a great relationship with me. So what happens to your heart and soul when you hear God wants to have a great relationship with you? The reason that God has revealed himself to you, to all of humanity, is because of this truth that God is relational. God is a relational God. He wants us to have relationship with him. God created us for a relationship with him. God sent Jesus to make a relationship with God even possible because we walked away from knowing God, rejecting God when we just chose sin. God has given us the Holy Spirit, his spirit, so that we could actually have a relationship with him this side of heaven that would flourish. And I love the end of the story that Jesus is coming back to take us to be in a perfect relationship in heaven with God forever. I don't know if you've ever read the end of the story, but in Revelation chapter 21, it says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. God is relational. Everything he does is so that we would see, know, understand him, that we'd have a great relationship with him. So here's the question. Do you have a great relationship with God? If that's why we're here, and I don't just mean here in this room, but on this planet, so that you and I would have a great relationship with God, do you today, as you are, have a great relationship with God? I'm hoping there would be a few of us who would say, yeah, I have a great relationship with God. Let me tell you about it. I'm guessing there might be some more people who would say, oh gosh, I don't know if it's great. I mean, it's okay. It's an okay relationship. Some might say, yeah, you know, it could be a lot better. You know, it's existent, but I, it could definitely be a lot better. And I'm wondering how many of us, if we're just being honest, would just say, Gosh, great relationship? Man, my relationship with God is not going, there's nothing really great about it. Again, why the disconnect? If God wants you and I to experience, encounter a great relationship with him, that's why he's revealed himself to us. Why is there such a disconnect in us encountering, experience the relationship that God wants to have with us? So I was thinking about this uh, this past week, I started thinking about the zoo. I don't know how you feel about the zoo, but I love it and I hate it. I love it because I love the animals. I love seeing all sorts of different animals, but I hate it just because I get sad seeing the animals I love just locked up in these cages. I don't know if you like lions, but I love lions. And I love seeing a lion specifically at the zoo, powerful and beautiful. But every time I see a lion in the zoo, it honestly looks very sad, very powerless, and often the lions that I've seen in the zoo, they look just very bored. Seeing a lion in the zoo doesn't really impact me all that much, doesn't necessarily change anything about me. In uh, 2003, I spent the better part of the summer living in the Congo. 
And when I was spending time in the Congo and Africa, I had the opportunity to go on a pretty uh, intense safari. Intense meaning it was me, a guide, and a few other people in an open Jeep. And I remember the first time I saw a lion in the field. And I had been, never been so freaked out, so scared and terrified, especially when the guy was like, just stay still, don't say a word. And I'm thinking, if I don't stay still and if I start crying, the lion is going to have a field day with me. So I am freaking out, but I'm just in awe of this incredible, beautiful, majestic beast in the open. Same animal. What is the difference? I don't have that impact. I don't have that feeling when I see a lion in the zoo, but when I saw one in the open come up to our Jeep, scared, terrified, but in awe and wonder, what is the difference? Well, one's caged, hindered from being who he truly is, and one was in the open, free to be who he truly is. I don't know whether we do this intentionally or maybe just unintentionally we do this, but I wonder if we just have somehow in some way in our way put God in a cage or just put God in a box, meaning the disconnect that we feel, where that disconnect actually comes from is just a result of thinking about God in ways that are just not consistent with who he actually is. One of the things that I was thinking about over the past few days wrote it in my journal, is this, God has so much more for us, but we often expect so much less. God has so much more for us as people, but our expectations are often so much less than what God actually desires for us and wants us to experience and encounter with Him. I mean, let's be honest. How many of us came to church this morning and said, God, blow my mind? God, because you can do that. You can take where I'm at right now, where I might feel stuck or spinning my wheels. God, would you just show up in such a powerful God-type way that the roof would just lift off? How many of us came believing that God not only could do that, but actually wants to do that? We came expecting. Or how many of us honestly just kind of showed up this morning? It's like, gosh, I hope they play some good music. I hope they like the songs. All right, I hope I like the songs that they've chosen. I hope that Michael or whoever is going to be sharing this morning is somewhat engaging, is somewhat maybe helpful to where I'm at right now. I wonder if it's similar to how we kind of go to the zoo. When's the last time you went to the zoo and you're like, I want to see the lion break out. I just want to see the lion jump whatever cage they put him in. I just want to see him go. How many of us show up at the zoo and be like, I hope he gets close enough to the window so I can take a picture. How many of us read our Bibles through the lens of, man, it was amazing what God did in those people's lives a long time ago, but he'd never do that in my life today. I wonder if the disconnect that we feel in not experiencing, encountering the great relationship that God wants to have with us is because we are just believing things that are inconsistent ultimately with who he is. I don't know about you, but I don't want God in a box. I don't want my tamed, caged version of God. I just want to know who God is and what he's like. I don't want to settle for something less than who he actually is. I've asked you the question of, do you know God and what impact is God having on your life? But I want to re-ask it this way. Do you want to know 
who God really is? Do you really want to know God and who he really is? Not what you think he is, but actually who he really is. A sense of awe and wonder and majesty. Do you want to really know who he is? I think the easy answer is to say, yeah, of course, who wouldn't? I'd absolutely want to know God like that. Before you're quick to say yes to I really want, I'm not talking about your version of God and not just an enhanced version, but who he really is. I want to read a story very quickly of a group of people who had the opportunity to know to see God. And they said, no, we don't want that. This is a story in Exodus chapter 20. You might be familiar with it because this chapter is the chapter where we learn uh, the Ten Commandments. And in verse 1, it says, God gave the people, all the people, these instructions. And then rest of chapter 20 walks through the ten different commandments that God had for his people to live by. After God gives these ten commandments, it says in verse 18, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. And Moses responds, don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you and to so that your fear of him, your awe, your wonder of him will keep you from sinning. And as the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. You see, in this story, the people were very content to stay at a distance and said, gosh, if God's like that, Moses, we'll deal with you. We don't want to deal with God. Because that is beyond what we ever thought God was like. Too big, too powerful, too all wonder, majestic. Moses, we, you make sense. We can kind of get our hands around you. So we'll listen to you, but Moses, you go, we'll stay. The question that I've been asking today, this morning, is this. Why is there this disconnect between who I believe or know God to be and who I am, who I'm becoming, and how I'm living? The best way I can answer that question of the disconnect is this. We believe things about God that are just not true. We believe things about God that are just not true. The people looked and said, we can't, we don't want that. And they began believing things about God that were just not true and it kept them at a distance. So the question that I would ask for all of us, not just to consider in this moment, in this message, but to consider today and throughout this week, are you believing things about God that are not true to who he is or what he's like? Because if you are, it will keep you at a distance from God, unchanged in who you are and how you live. For me, the lies that I have believed are not always these overt lies. They're often very subtle. Very subtle lies like, he's disappointed in me. That when God looks at my life, he just shakes his head and just as an utter disappointment of who I am and how I'm living and who I turned out to be. Kind of like that father who just shakes his head, just in disappointment and disgust. That's a lie that I believed. Another lie might just be, 
God's holding out on me. He's giving to everyone else, but he's holding out on me. I'm not sure why, but I know he's holding out on me. It must be because he doesn't like me. It must be because he's just disappointed in me. Another lie that I've believed is I must perform in order to please him. Meaning there is something that God wants me to be doing in order to make him smile, in order for him to kind of shake his head in affirmation and just love. He wants me to perform for him. Or maybe another lie like we heard in the video not long ago. It was just sad when she said it. God is unavailable. And I wonder how many people have just believed that lie is, yeah, he might be available for you, but he's not available for me. Or the lie that many have believed is, God's just indifferent. Like he doesn't really care about the details of my life. He doesn't really care about the relationships that I'm in and the anxieties that I have and the stresses and worries and fears that I have. He's indifferent. Yes, God is big picture. He's going to hold the stars and the universe in place. But me, indifferent to my cause, indifferent to who I am. When we believe things about God that are not true or consistent with who he is and how he has revealed himself to us, we will stay at a distance unchanged in who we are and how we live. One last question for you to consider this morning. In the story that I just read, there's two primary characters. You have God, obviously, who is the hero of the story, but you have Moses and then you have the people. My question would be, who do you resemble more today? Do you look more like the people or do you look more like Moses? Because the people said, if that's what he's like, we don't want to go. We'll deal with you. We don't want to deal with God. And they stayed at a distance. Verse 21, as the people stood in the distance. Are you like that? Or are you like Moses? Is there anyone here that would say, God has revealed who he is and what he's like, and I want to know him. It says in verse 21, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. I don't want to be the crowd. I don't want to be the people that was just content, be like, I'll stay here. I'm happy. I'm content where I am unchanged though in who I am and how I'm living because I'm staying at a distance. Is there anyone here that would say, but I really want to know God. Like, I really want to know what he's like. I want to have my expectations of who God is and what God is like to actually be consistent with who he is and what he's like. My heart for me, my heart for all of us is that we would not be happy or content just to stay at a distance. But there would be many Moseses in here that would say, I want to go up close. I want to finish with this invitation that's coupled with a promise. And it, to me, it's uh, actually the first Bible verse we had our kids memorize years ago. And I love it because it is such a powerful, profound invitation that God gives to us it's an invitation that is coupled with this amazing promise. And it's in James chapter 4, verse 8. And it just simply says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, the invitation from God to you this morning, I want to have a great relationship with you. I don't want you just to know something about me. I want you to know me, not in a box, not in a cage, not your version of me. I want you to know me. The invitation is 
draw near to me. And notice there's no conditions on that. Draw near to me once you get your life cleaned up, once you get these things figured out, once you fix this. An unconditional invitation, draw near to me today, where you are, as you are, not as you think you should be, but as you are. And then this amazing promise. God says to you, and I will draw near to you so you can begin to experience a great relationship with him. God is relational, and he wants you to have a great relationship with him.